You're listening to Pombo and Peter's Picks, the home of your favorite sports betting podcast. Presented by The Daily Goat. Welcome to Pombo and Peter's Picks, episode number seven. I'm Jason Pombo alongside Peter Owls. How you doing today, Peter? What up? Let's go. <laughs> so, Peter, football is done for the year. The Super Bowl just took place on Sunday. Our bets, we were meh. We hit on a couple of them. We didn't hit on a couple of them. The NFL season made its way through. We're now going to be on to different sports. Before we get into the Super Bowl conversation, did you think the NFL was going to make it? No, I didn't. In the beginning of the year, it was really scary. They were like shuffling teams around. <laughs> Ravens. Playing them on like the, the Ravens playing like a Wednesday. And oh, yeah, we had Tuesday night football. We had Wednesday night football. We had everything this year. But kudos to the NFL for getting it in because now, I mean, they have the offseason now made its way through for this year anyway. I guess we'll see how next year goes. But obviously, this year was a little rocky. You had that outbreak with the Titans. You had Kevin Stefanski with the Browns. He had it for, what was it, their their first playoff game, right? Yep, week 17, yep. first playoff game. Yep, and there's obviously a couple others. Some notables, Lamar Jackson uh, got COVID. Cam Newton got COVID. Like, it became a, I don't want to say a common thing in the NFL, but the NFL certainly had to deal with it, and they ended up getting through. Kudos to them. Now the NBA is in trouble. Now the NBA, who's obviously they've had to deal with a, a plethora of cases. Same with the NHL. So I guess we'll see how these other sports try to maneuver. And obviously you have baseball coming up, uh, rapidly approaching. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But football made its way. Football is the first sport to do it without a bubble, to successfully complete it from start to finish. We will see uh, how the other sports fare. All right, Peter, now let's transition to the Super Bowl here. So I ended up going 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Uh, with my picks, I had uh, the Bucks correct plus three, Tom Brady MVP, and I pushed with the four sacks. I lost the Scotty Miller, and um, I lost the over, which was my uh, premium pick. And I was poo poo. I was one and four. I had the Chiefs minus three. They lost over. Mike Evans touchdown and Mahomes MVP. Lost a premium pick, Chiefs minus three, but I did get Tom Brady over two and a half touchdowns. So, again, we were meh. What are your takeaways from the game, anyway? Let's start off with Tom Brady. Uh, you picked the Chiefs in this game. You were pretty confident that Kansas City was going to get the job done. And, man, they fell flat on their face. Yeah, I was just banking on their O-line to actually stay intact, I guess. To not it it did not. Scrubs. <laughs> yeah. When I it's, saw all those injuries on the offensive line, I should have changed sides. You know, like, because obviously the week, the couple weeks heading, uh, leading up to the Super Bowl – Man, when they lost Eric Fisher, the left tackle, I thought that was a substantial blow. You're dealing with guys like Shaq Barrett, who was phenomenal. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, pheno- like phenomenal. Uh, Vita Vea, phenomenal. The Bucks defense was fantastic in this game. Uh, they really, in my opinion, uh, dictated the pace of the game. They were in Mahomes' face over 50% of the time. They created turnovers. They got stops. They allowed nine freaking points, which to me, I never in a million years would have expected that. I mean, we both were pretty confident on the over. I had the Bucks winning 35-31. So I was expecting a high game into the 30s. And that Tampa Bay defense, Todd Bowles, was like, nope, nine points. They made the Chiefs quit, too. Sorry, Travis oh, yeah. Kelsey's face. Everybody quit except Patrick Mahomes. 
Every single Travis Kelsey, you could tell in the third quarter, he was just done. They would be able to limit Tyreek Hill. Yeah, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was not able to get going. I don't even think Sammy Watkins was targeted. Mahomes was on his butt for the majority of the game. Mahomes made some insane throws. Yeah, like, he right just... before he was sacked, he's like, in the end zone, in the end zone. They didn't catch him, but it was still insane. <laughs> it's like, holy crap, really? It became, it became very frustrating that I only pushed with the four sacks. Yeah. I we should have had 10 at least, sacks. At least you pushed. Yeah, we were lucky to get the push. Yep. So, again, from the Chiefs' perspective, do you think this game will have any lasting impact for the Kansas City Chiefs? Do you think this is a game like – I'm not going to say that they're really going to fall flat here, but could you see a situation where they kind of end up like with the Seattle Seahawks? How the Seattle Seahawks, they won the Super Bowl in 2013. By 2014, they ended up losing it to Tom Brady and the Patriots. And they've never been able to get back into it since. Obviously, they've been a playoff team basically year in, year out, but they've never been able to get off the hump. Do you think the Chiefs will fall into that category? Obviously, there's some other talent in the AFC now. Do you still think Kansas City is the favorite to come out of the AFC next year? Yeah, probably. As long as you have Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, you're going to get Damian Williams back from the COVID list because he opted out Yep. through the whole year. The defense, I think, is staying intact. As long as you have Mahomes, honestly, here. Yeah, Real again, still, so. you have the quarterback, so you'll be relevant. And now, in my opinion, I think this Kansas City Chiefs window, next year's a big year for it. Like we talked about while we were watching the game, believe it or not, Travis Kelsey's going to be 32 years old. Tyreek Hill's contract ends, I believe, at the end of next season, or the season after, I'm not sure. Tyron Matthews up at the end of next year, so they have some decisions to make, and that Patrick Mahomes extension will start to kick in. So I think that window they had, will be intact for next year. I think there's a chance the AFC will be better next year, uh, but I still think Kansas City will likely win 12, 13 games, and they'll still be there. Not Again, we'll see how things shake out in terms of if they're going to make the Super Bowl or not, but I still think that team has a bright future in terms of 2021. Now, how about we transition out of Tom Brady and the Bucks here? I picked Tampa Bay. Not going to lie here, I wasn't the most confident in the pick. To me, anyway, the thing that I was clinging most to was they'd be able to get to Patrick Mahomes. Brady would make enough plays, and that's exactly what happened. Brady has almost statistically one of his most efficient Super Bowls of the 10 he's played in. I think he was 21 of 29, three touchdown passes, no turnovers, no interceptions, only got sacked once, made great reads. Rob Gronkowski got going. Leonard Fournette got going. Antonio Brown got going a little bit. It was a great performance from the Bucs on both sides of the ball. What do you make of the Bucs' performance? He did what he had to do. It was crazy. His biggest margin of victory before this was 10 points. And how much was it? Like 26 oh, or something? Whatever it was. It was 31 to 9, right? Was yeah. that 22? Yeah. And I was like, holy crap. It shouldn't have been that easy because the Chiefs should have scored some more. Because they're getting passes dunked off their head. Mm-hmm. But No, you're right. You're 100% right. And... Again, this was a very anticipated Super Bowl. Obviously, there was a lot riding on it. Brady Mahomes, we talked about it for the last two weeks. We wrote about it on the dailygoats.com for the last two weeks. Like, this is it. Like, David and Goliath here, like, the young goat and the old goat. Like, all ever, that's what everyone's been saying. And the game itself did not live up to the hype. Obviously, for the most part, it was a blow. Again, it was a 22 point margin. Right. I told you on Sunday. You're going to look at back at that game, maybe not now because it was Brady Mahomes, but you're going to look back at that game and be like, wow, that's a rule. It's terrible. It's fair because the game wasn't really competitive. And from the Kansas City perspective, 
they would blow people off the field every game this season. I mean, what were they, 15, 14 and 2 in the regular season? Mahomes uh, only had one loss and it was to the Chargers. And they rolled over Buffalo in the playoffs. Uh, they were rolling over Cleveland before Mahomes got hurt. And Tampa came here and smacked him in the mouth. It was really impressive. For Tom Brady, anyway, where would you categorize this among his Super Bowl victories? Would you, is this in terms of one being most impressive? So let's see. Atlanta's one. Seattle's two. The Rams are pretty good. I don't know. I feel like this is pretty far down. No lie. I think I'm going to say four. Four out of seven. For me, anyway, I go Seattle, Atlanta, Atlanta, Seattle, whichever you want to go with. And then I really think that first one in 2001, that one means yeah. a whole lot. They were 14 and a half point underdogs. Like that was the upset of the century. And then I think you have this game because again, Tampa was very impressive. They won three straight road games against three straight division winners. They were seven and five after 12 games. Not going to lie. They looked like a fringe playoff team. They were sloppy. They turned the ball over. Brady wasn't playing his best football. They had stupid penalties. But man, after that loss against Bay against um, Kansas City in week 12, they rolled over every team they faced. They won nine in a row to finish it out, whatever it was. And they were awesome. It was really an interesting thing to see because not many people believed that Tampa Bay was going to get by New Orleans in the divisional round. And then once they reached the NFC Championship, everyone's like, nah, at Green Bay and at Lambeau, they're not going to lose. Gets by them. And then even this game, everyone's like, there's no shot. And they did it. They were the team of destiny. Uh, and you got to give Brady and the Bucks a high praise here because they yeah, were I able to put it all together. I guess you can't count out Tom Brady ever. Can't bet against him ever. History shows that people, including me, still did that. It's true. Like, Learn your lesson, I guess. You just can't. I mean, this, in my opinion, he was already the greatest football player of all time. I, I don't think there was really much debate in that. I think this win catapulted him in the other conversations with, like, in terms of team sports guys like Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, that kind of conversation. Man, seven and three in Super Bowl, seven Super Bowl titles. Just an absurd number. He has Everyone could oh. put the bet, too, that Patrick Mahomes is going to be better, too. That was yeah. a narrative going in, too. It was because then, look, if Mahomes beat Brady, he has two and he's 25 years old. Again, not saying Mahomes would win four more after that, but if he did, then I think people would lean Mahomes. Even if Mahomes didn't reach six, like let's say he stopped at four or five or whatever, people would be like, well, he beat Tom head-to-head. And no, Brady is now seven to one on that advantage. Just and, an absurd number. That, if, yeah, and even if Mahomes gets to seven, like God knows how. Brady will still have Mahomes, his number. And he'll still I don't have think, that yeah. win over him. I don't think Mahomes will reach the seven. I don't think, I think that record is going to stay for a long, long time. Like, that's just absurd. Again, five Super Bowl MVPs. Joe Montana went to four Super Bowls. Like, yeah, Brady's been to them, 10. Right? Brady's been to 10. Yeah, Brady doubled him. Like, he's doubled him. It's absurd. Like, if you want to break down his career into threes, in his 20s, his 30s, and his 40s, all three are arguably Hall of Fame careers. Like the longevity, it's absurd. And I don't know if we'll ever see it again. I oh, really yeah. don't. And he's coming back next year. So. Yeah, and he'll be back next year. And then the year after, who the hell knows? Like, it's just absurd what he's able to accomplish. You see guys that were drafted after him just kind of break down. Like we saw Peyton Manning, who was drafted before Brady. He broke down in 2015. They won the Super Bowl, but he at that point he was done. We saw the demise of Drew Brees. 
demise of Eli Manning. It looks like the demise of Ben Roethlisberger. Like Brady is just outliving all these guys. Like it's it just is absurd. I don't think we'll ever see anything again like that. Yeah, like I said last week or uh, two weeks ago, I just don't want to see him fall off that metaphorically cliff. I don't want to see him coming out of nowhere. Like Peyton Manning. Yeah, or just like Drew Brees, he can't throw down the field. It'll be really, really, really sad. Tell you what, a lot of the people that thought he was done were like, well, he doesn't have the arm strength to do it anymore. I don't know, man, watching that Super Bowl, it's tough to question his arm strength. He still has a cannon. Seriously, he's got enough. And I don't know how long he's going to play for. He's obviously going to play next season. His contract ends at the end of next season, but looks like he may even play after that. I think at the moment it's all it's all dependent. But wow, wait a fifty, do it. You know what, Peter? If he want to do, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna say no. As my mom says, he's just gonna roll out and uh, with a wheelchair. He'll still read a defense. Gray hairs. He, it's just crazy. It's just an absurd storyline, and. We'll see what uh, next year brings, but Tom Brady and the Bucks will be there. Yeah, try to run it back, I guess. I guess we'll see. Well, if they run it back, whew, eight. Their schedule is real easy. Is it what division does the um, NFC AFC, South play? AFC East. Oh, they play the AFC East. Oh, yeah, you're right. Brady's coming to Gillette next year. You be- that better have fans. Better have uh, fans. That'll be crazy. Whew, I might have to go live there, Peter. Whoa, yeah. that'll be that'll be nuts. And not to mention, just like I wonder if he'll get booed. No, I that I don't think so. Well, I'm trying to think. There's really no comparison for like. He shouldn't get booed. No, I don't think he will. I really don't think he will. I think it'll be a standing go. Oh, it'll be a surreal moment. Hopefully, there's fans. Because if there isn't fans, that's really disappointing. Right. Like if I'm the NFL, don't put it as week one. Like don't put that game as week one, just in case. You know, put it in the middle of the middle toward like week ten to twelve, Sunday night football. Don't waste it. Week one, but it it won't be week one because Tampa will be home raising the banner no matter what. So that'll take that argument out. But just put it at the end of this middle of the end of the season. Don't chance it because I'll be I'll be really annoyed if there's no fans there. Like that's that sucks. Good. Yeah, there has to be fans. It's gonna be hype. Oh my goodness, that's gonna be the most expensive ticket in free in history. You're gonna see Kraft cry live on air. Jeez, you're gonna see everybody cry. It's gonna be nuts. But that'll be a that'll be a great topic for our episode, our like 85th episode or whatever it is. Yeah. Who knows what it will be by then. And you see Belichick be like, I hate you. <laughs> you suck. And, he, and even Brady will probably uh, kill the Patriots. But yep. guess we'll get into that next year. Yeah. Or in the fall, I should say. All right, Peter, let's transition into off-season mode really quickly here. What's your favorite part of the NFL off-season? Do you prefer the draft? Do you prefer free agency? Do you prefer training camp? I'll even throw preseason into that. See, What's your I, favorite part? I like free agency like the first day where it's like a, Adam yeah. Schefter goes off, everybody signs. It's not like the MLB offseason where you, well, we'll get into it later, but yes, yeah, a week ago, Trevor Bauer just signed and truck day was today for the Red Sox. They're not Ooh. waiting for, yeah, for real. But in real life, well, this is real life, but non COVID life, since the combine is canceled for this year, I love the combine too, just watching all the college athletes, the 40 yard dash. Mm-hmm. The bench press, the three cone drill, everything like that. But yeah. obviously, that's being taken away this year. Unfortunately, it's the same. But I like the free agency, like the first day, and then combine. Yeah, I'm with you there. I 
I think the NFL offseason is great. You start off with free agency the day one, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. You get those notifications on, and it's bing, 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 bing. It's absurd. And then you have the combine. Unfortunately, like you mentioned, we don't have it this year. The draft is always exciting. Uh, for me personally, like I don't mind watching the draft all the way through. I know some people are like, oh, rounds like after round one, like I don't watch. But I like watching rounds like two, three, four. Like I, I like the draft every year. Well, pre-COVID time, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings for the second round. I like I like the draft. Yeah, exactly. I like the draft. I think it's really interesting to see how things unfold. Like teams trade up, they trade back, they take their quarterback for the future. Like I think that stuff's really cool. I stay I up like, until the Patriot pick, and then they're like, oh, we're trading oh, it. Yep. You stayed up for no reason. Yep. Not this year, though. Well, they stay oh, only trade oh, down, but at least, we'll, at least we'll be able to see it at 930 at night instead of 1130 at night. Yeah. And I, again, I like training camp, too. Like, we all go every year. Uh, me, Peter, uh, TJ, Albin of Cheap Talk Wrestling, Justin of Bosox Bombers. Who else do we go with? We got E.T. E.T. goes. Who else? Goldberg, Goldberg of GB Kicks. Like, we get a whole crew, and we love going. We get up at, like, 4 in the morning. We go yeah, It's there. always an event. Always an event. We always have a fun time. Unfortunately, obviously, we didn't go this past year. Hopefully, how we can many get years, back there. How many years in a row is that? Like, five? Oh, at least at least four or five. At least. Always a great time. It's always a fun time. I like that. I like watching preseason, too. I like seeing those younger guys get a chance. Like, I, li- I liked seeing, like, Jarrett Stidham get a chance to start a couple years ago. Who got that 80-yard touchdown? Danny Etling. Danny Etling. Like, I like seeing that. I like seeing guys like Austin Carr, yeah. Braxton Berrios, like those guys that are fringe, like Kobe Myers, like fringe guys trying to make a roster really balling out. Like, I thought that's, that's, I like that. That's really cool. Back to training camp, us yelling at Matt Patricia. Always oh love it. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. A lot of fun. Hopefully, we can get all back to that next year. Free Josh Gordon. Did we see Josh Gordon in training camp? I know we had the free Josh Gordon stuff. I don't think so. No, I don't think we did. Because Nick Stevens, he's a personality, a Boston personality, famous. Justin yeah. Bow Sox bomb has gone into the live stream. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you're right. He was on the roster, but he wasn't obviously yeah. in training camp. We've seen a lot of good players over the years. Hopefully, we'll be able to go back next year because that'll be a lot of fun either way. Our last NFL topic. So, the NFL announced MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, and as well as the Hall of Fame. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway? Were you surprised by any of that? The only surprising one was Aaron Donald getting Defensive Player of the Year. I think I TJ Watt should have got it. But yeah, obviously, I know why Aaron Donald got it, because he's an absolute monster, guaranteed Hall of Famer. Probably first ballot. Yeah, it's you're right. Aaron Donald's a monster. Team, I think he's got all-team pro since 2015. I, Every single time. It, I, yeah, You're right. Like Animal. Donald's, he's a stud. Like he's fantastic. TJ Watt had another great year. He's put together a nice little career too in Pittsburgh. Uh, for me anyway, just going to mention the hall of fame conversation. I think Richard Seymour should have got in personally. Yeah. I feel like he's getting really overlooked here. Look, Seymour was awesome with the Patriots, with the Raiders. Like in my opinion, he's get he got shafted the last two years, but I do think 2022 is his year. I guess we'll have to see how that goes. But other than that, there wasn't really any surprises. Kevin Stefanski is the coach of the year. You can make an argument for guys like maybe McDermott in Buffalo, maybe Flores. Flores in Miami. That's that's about it, though. I mean, if Flores, I like I if like Flores would have made the playoffs, I think he might have had a better shot. But they don't Miami have a quarterback. They don't count. Would you rather have Tua or Mayfield? Mayfield. 
I think I'll take Mayfield too. Everyone over to him. Ah, thanks for making our graphics though, Matt. Please continue to make them when you're listening. Don't listen to this part. <laughs> All right. So, any uh, final NFL thoughts before we transition to baseball? We're going way back to the Super Bowl. Congrats, TJ Alvin. We did our square thing. Oh yeah, TJ Alvin. Eight hundred bucks. TJ Alvin won three or four uh, Super Bowl squares. He pulled up from three. Nothing but net. Congratulations. Oh, actually, I want to mention one more thing here. The whole uh, Russell Wilson. Have you heard about the Rus- Russell Wilson, how he's a little unhappy? Oh, is he really? So, Why? Isn't he Mr. Seattle? He loves Seattle. I will pull up some quotes from late last night. So Jason Lockenfor of CBS said, quote, I'm hearing Russell Wilson's camp has grown increasingly, increasingly frustrated by the Seahawks' inability to protect the eight-time Pro Bowler. He's been sacked 394 times in nine seasons. The situation warrants serious monitoring. So I was like, whoa. So uh, then I did a little bit of research on how bad Wilson's been hit over the last couple of years. So this year, 2020, he goes, he was sacked 47 times, third most in the NFL. 2019, 48 sacks, third most in the NFL. 2018, 51 sacks, fourth most in the NFL. 2017, 43 sacks, fourth most in the NFL 2016 41 sacks third most in the NFL 2015 45 sacks fourth most in the NFL you sense a pattern here Wilson's just a human punching bag he's getting hit a lot and he had a quote today he said quote I'm frustrated with getting hit too much and I think he's got a point obviously the last six years he's been sacked at least the fourth highest in the league which is an absurd thing I don't think he's obviously going to get moved or anything like that, but I think Seattle needs to address that. I mean, they will. If he's unhappy, they'll just address in the draft. They should. I don't know why they didn't do it five years, six years ago, five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, but here we are. And that's my final NFL takeaway. Let's transition now to the Major League Baseball. Trevor Bauer has finally, finally made his decision and elected to sign a three-year, $102 million contract with the Dodgers, $40 million in 2021, $45 million in 2022, and then, what is it, $17 million after that third year? Yeah, it didn't really make sense. So it's obviously a front-loaded contract, and he has an opt-out in the next two years, correct? Yeah, he can opt out this year, the end of this year, or the end of next year. What's your takeaway on Bauer? Were you surprised? Yeah, I thought he was going to the Mets. Sorry, Nate. He tweeted it out. He's like, let's go, Mets. And then the Dodgers must have been like, nah, this isn't happening. And then they just picked up Trevor Bauer. That team's going to be insane, that rotation. Three Cy Young winners, Price, Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, Ryu, and then Walker Bueller. Bueller. Yep. yep. It's crazy. Uh, Trevor Bauer can be there five, and they still can be okay. It's but as true. Justin said on the Bombas podcast, I don't want the MLB turning into the NBA. Swear the super team. Really, if you had, really had a salary cap. Yeah, I know, but you can't really say that because we're Red Sox fans. Because they spend out of nowhere. No, it's fair, but I, I, that's what I love about the NFL. You know, it doesn't matter. Look, Patrick Mahomes plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. If let's translate that to baseball, if he was with the Kansas, if he was drafted by the Kansas City Royals, they would have traded him two years ago. Right. You know? And I think that's a little frustrating. They don't pay him. Yeah, because they just can't, like, the teams don't have, like, the payroll. Like, look at teams like the Pirates, the Rays. Well, the, like, Ra- uh, the, Reds, the Reds, Trevor Bauer's old team, they're like, yeah, we can't sign him, sorry. We just don't exactly. have money. You just can't do it. Like, we're sorry, man. You just can't do it. And that's frustrating. I think that's 
gives other teams a competitive advantage and a competitive disadvantage. But obviously that's a conversation for a different day. So here's my take on the Bauer situation. I honestly believed that he was going to go to the Angels. That was my prediction earlier in the offseason. Felt like two years ago. <laughs> but obviously he didn't end up there. It looked like the last two teams were the Dodgers and the Mets. Personally, I felt like he was just using the Mets as leverage. He wanted to go to LA the entire time. He wanted to go to the Angels, Dodgers. Like he wanted to go to the West Coast. I didn't think he really had much interest in the Mets. Like I know that stuff on social media between him and his agent, but I just personally wasn't buying much of it. I think he always just wanted to up his price and leverage the Dodgers into paying him because there was a report like the night before he signed with the Dodgers and they're like, Oh, Mets nearing an agreement. Mets are going to make a decision on him within the next 24 hours. And I'm like, who are they bidding against? And it was all about trying to get the Dodgers to really sink their teeth in. And they did. The Dodgers are a wagon, man. Yeah, that team is really, really scary. Probably going to go back to back. I know it's baseball. It might not happen, but. Injuries happen. We'll see how things shake out. But, and the Dodgers, I mean, Justin Turner's a free agent. We'll see what happens with him. Doesn't matter. Like I said, he can literally be there five. It's insane. I'm just trying to pick things apart. Like, there's really, that team is a super team. Bellinger. Bellinger, Betts, like, wow. Yep. And it's, we'll see how. The MLB offseason finishes, concludes. Uh, it's nearing its end after a long winter. Spring training is around the corner. Yep, truck day was yesterday. What? Matt Cunha, the best day of the year, right? Who drove the truck? Wally. Tessie. <laughs> John Henry. Yeah, probably. Any uh, following baseball before we hit on our picks for the weekend? No, let's just get to the picks. Base- baseball, I'm hyped. Yeah, you know what? I'm excited, too. It's coming. I'm excited for it. It's a lot of interesting storylines here. You get the Padres, who I think are going to be a real contender. The Mets got a lot better from the NL perspective. I'm curious to see what happens in the AL. We'll talk about who's going to be our World Series picks and stuff in a couple weeks, but I think it's going to be an interesting year with baseball and the MLB. Hopefully it doesn't get delayed again. And hopefully they throw in the universal DH, but that's just... That already got shot down. I know. I know. And I'm upset about it. Ah. All right. Do you want to give your pick for Friday? So Friday, February 12th. 12th. So I have the Bruins over the New York Rangers. If you're a Bruins fan, New York Rangers are absolute trash. They're 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10 games. And that's a bias against the New York team because New York teams are absolutely terrible. Scum of the earth. The Bruins in the last 10 games have 7-1-2. and two. They're an absolute wagon. Pasta's healthy again. Jake DeBrusque is expected to come back on Wednesday, recording on Tuesday. So hopefully he returns on Wednesday, so it'll be good to go on Friday. And like I said, Bruins are an absolute wagon. I think they're going to go really far. I didn't have any expectations this year for them. I thought they are going to get buried in the weeds because the East are really, really hard. But they're on the top of the division, and they're – ready to poise another cup run. I was just going to ask you that. How far do you think you can go? Obviously, the coming into the season, there was a lot of question marks. Obviously, lost Krug, lost Chara. Uh, things were a little like, yeah, they're getting aged a little bit. Krejci's getting a little bit older. But they've certainly looked great. Now, we'll see if that translates into the playoffs here. It's crazy. They're tied for first with the Flyers. They haven't even missed, missed the beat. It's good to see. We'll we'll see how, again. Uh, uh, we'll see if we'll see how Rask does in the playoffs. Yeah, they'll my, break my heart again. Is my final statement because honestly, the last couple, last maybe three years, I'm like, 
I'm pretty confident. Like they're like. Well, that's why like two to the years cup. ago versus the well three Blues. years ago versus the Blues. That was their year. Rask was that, playing out of his mind. Game seven on home ice. That was it. And after the first period, Marshan, two seconds to go, walks off the ice. Goal. If you want to go even further against the Blackhawks, was it 2013? Yeah. Like, seriously, the blown opportunities. And I I don't want to get off track here, but I I want to ask you this. If this core for the Bruins of, like, Marshawn, I'll lump, like, the char, like, the whole whole core that they've had for the last decade, right? Uh, Bergeron, if they only get one cup, is that an underachievement? No, because it's hockey. Anything can happen. If Danny Ainge can still have a job for... There is 2008 one ring. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's, that's a fair argument. The way they lost is a little bit of an underachievement person. Like that, I can't get over that game. Seven right, but they've been, the, they've been to Cups before, 2017. Yeah, they've been to what? That, yeah. two, two or three cents? Uh, at least two. Yeah. I don't know. We'll get into, obviously, the Bruins a lot more, especially during playoff team, and we'll see if Peter picks, it, picks them or picks against them. All right, for me anyway, my premium pick of the week is going to be the Los Angeles Lakers over the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Lakers are really rolling here. They've won five of their last, I'm sorry, they've won eight of their last 10 games. Uh, They beat the Grizzlies five of their last six matchups. LeBron James is arguably the most valuable player in the league right now. He's having a great year, as expected. Grizzlies, they're, they're a nice young team, but against the Lakers at home, I don't think that's a recipe for success. I like the Lakers here, and that's my premium pick of the week. Yeah, the Lakers are poised to go on a deep run again, and I think they're going to go back-to-back. They were my pick anyway. I had the Lakers over Brooklyn. I think that pick, I like the pick. It's looking strong. Brooklyn, I'm hot and cold on. They just need more help on the bench. But if the Lakers can stay healthy, there's not many teams in the NBA that can beat them. I don't get how Braun is this good. It's become the Tom Brady, just not aging. He hasn't hit Keep that going. level yet, but he's he's been great. I, I wouldn't. He's in the conversation for the MVP. I still think it's Jokic over him. No, he'll never get it. He's a little. Broke. I don't think he's gonna get it. But I again, he's having a great year, and the Lakers are really rolling. Kudos to them for putting together putting together here a nice year. And then the West, obviously, got to deal with the Clippers. But the Clippers have been a little inconsistent this year, for my likings anyway. The Clippers are overrated. Yeah, again, they're just so inconsistent. Like that game against the Celtics was it this past Friday. They were missing Paul George. Had Kawhi, and they just they just blew it. They were up, I think, 15, and the Celtics they came roaring back. They choked it away. We'll see how the NBA shakes out here. How about Saturday, February 13th? Peter, what's your pick? Okay, so story time. USC 258, my girl. Premium pick of the week, all in. Plus 110, Macy Barber. So, I have a little crush on Macy Barber. If you listen little? to the Sox Bombers, you should already know that. So, I went to a fight night with Nathan, Dave, boy Andre his dad and his brother and uh, we were betting like together on the UFC card and I was like oh my god Macy Barber that's it she's really really cute and I was like all right I'm a fan all in and she won that fight and I was in Florida a year ago so that was her last fight and she got a torn ACL that's the first loss of the her career she's called the future and it was really, really sad. She went through the rounds, and she lost on de- on decision, obviously, because she had a torn ACL. She couldn't really do anything. She's been rehabbing this whole time. She's finally returning on Saturday. All in. We'll have Dylan on later to talk about it and not make me bet all my money on Macy Barber. But this is my premium pick of the week, Ryder. All right. 
no, no, no. Not pause, don't. Ah, but, but, but listen, but put all of our money in. It's all good. You're going to win dollar signs. Never lost. That's going to be my lock of the century. And if, if she loses next week, I'll literally cry on air. I am uh, excited to see that. Peter, just because of your confidence, I am also going to go with Macy Barber here. Again, like you talked about, she is 8-1. and one. Uh, And you know what? I am going to defer to you here. Um, we're going to defer to Macy Barber, and uh, she is going to win. I My pick Saturday, uh, February 13th, is Macy Barber. Just oh. because of your heart, your story, real, and Valentine's Day is Sunday. So that story really spoke to me. So I'm going Macy Barber here. Look, it's it's, it's that season, you know? And obviously you have that connection with Macy and I, I can't follow her on Instagram. Her. Still waiting for the follow back. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys like email and like all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm going with her. Yeah. Hyping her up. Listen, Saturday, don't go on my Twitter. That's all I got to say. Can't wait. I'll have my notifications on. Oh yeah. All right, Peter, uh, Valentine's day. Speaking of that, February 14th, what's your pick? All right. My pick for Sunday is the sun's over the magic. So the Suns have a three-game winning streak currently. They're seven and four at home. The Magic are four and seven on the road. They're three and seven in the last ten games, so they're struggling. Fultz, Jonathan, Isaac has been out since January. Aaron Gordon out four to six weeks. Evan Fournier out with a back injury. The second game in a row, he's missed nine games in January from the same back injury. So I think the Magic are in deep, deep trouble. And the Suns are actually playing really, really, really good. They're a playoff team. Yeah, I think they're three seed right now. Yeah, they're, so they're, go, sun's out, guns out. Chris Paul has been great. I mean, he's been a real addition for that Phoenix Suns team. I like that pick. I'm going to shift to NASCAR here because in honor of the Daytona 500, might as well pick a NASCAR driver here. I'm going to go with the defending champion in the NASCAR universe. I'm going to go Chase Elliott plus 900 to win the Daytona 500. Chase Elliott, the 25. Um, I'm rolling with him. He is my pick Sunday, February 14th for Valentine's Day. I know nothing about NASCAR, so I like it. Like, Hell yeah. Yeah, he was looking for picks, and I was like, is Dale Arnhart Jr. on there? Nah, he retired. Is Jimmy Johnson on there? Nah, he retired. <laughs> That's all I know, you know. All right, Peter, without further ado, let's get into some conversation about the UFC card. It's UFC 258. Now let's bring on Dylan Sariva from Cheap Talk Wrestling. Dylan also writes some UFC content. Uh, for the dailygoats.com. Dylan usually writes a weekly article, and we're uh, happy to have Dylan on. Dylan, how you doing? Good, guys. How are you doing? Good. Dylan, thanks for joining again. Appreciate it. Of course, yeah. I never mind talking big pay-per-views for the company, UFC. So what do you like in this card? What's your, what's your overall feel? I think it's a solid card. Obviously, the main and the co-main are the big fights. One title fight. But I like Usman and... Uh, Gilbert Burns is a great up-and-coming welterweight, and I think the women's fight on this card is also really, really strong. Who do you like in that fight? We're going to have a serious problem. The uh, uh, women's yep. fight, it's what? Macy Barber and... Uh, Alexa Grasso. Alexa Grasso. You know, I actually really do like Macy Barber. Up until, up until her first professional loss, she was on a tear. I think she's a really well-rounded flyweight. If she can pull out a win here... Probably going to get her closer to a title shot. Oof, we're still friends. I love Macy Barber. Don't need to rehash that story because I've already told it, but I love Macy Barber. And I'm putting <laughs> all my money on Macy Barber. 
Love that girl. What a cute. Yeah, she's only 22, man. She's she's got her whole career ahead of her. Yeah, I know. Or P- Peter uh, sent her flowers. Yeah. <laughs> so Dylan of the main card, right? So yep. they actually, I don't know if you heard because this is like really recent news, but they actually cut one of the fights on the main card. Peter, who was it again? Yeah, it's Pedro Menunos and Jimmy Rivera. Okay. Oh, that was supposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so I, I had heard something about that. All right. So Dylan. So there was supposed to be five fights on the main card. Now it's four because Rivera, Munez, obviously they're not going to, the fight got canceled for some reason. Do you know why it got canceled? Has it been said? Uh, I haven't seen anything out there specifically. I'm sure what they'll do is they'll probably take one of the guys or or both fighters from a prelim fight and that'll now just be the opener. Yeah, this happens all the time. Big guys pull out injury fight week, you know, happens. Yeah, it could be COVID. Could be COVID. Oh, could you be know. COVID. So Dylan, of the of the, so it's down to four fights on the main card, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So the underdogs, uh, I'll list you off the four underdogs here. So Gilbert Burns is an underdog. Macy Barber is an underdog. Ian, uh, is it Heineck? Heinus? I believe so. Yeah. So he is an underdog, and then uh, is it Pitolo? He's yeah. an underdog. So those are the underdogs. So do you think any of the underdogs can pull it off? I know you talked about how you think Barber can win. Yeah, Barbara, I believe, can win. And then possibly Patolo. I don't really know that much about the middleweight fight. Kind of more of a entry-level kind of guys. I don't see Heinzik beating Gastelum. And with Usman's just well-rounded game, I don't see Gilbert Burns. And those two specifically used to be training partners. Usman has since left the gym and now trains out of Colorado. Not a lot of bad blood between those guys, still a lot of respect, but Usman felt that he needed the camp switch to continue his domination as a champion because he has looked phenomenal since beating out Tyrone Woodley and then first events versus Colby Covington. So Usman, he's obviously the marquee guy in the card, correct? Yes. 17-1, and one, obviously a heavy favorite here. So if he, let's say he wins, what's his next step? Welterweight in the UFC is always a very, very stacked division. It up-and-comer that people need to watch out for is Hazmat Shemaev. He's scheduled to fight mid-March in a headlining bout versus Leon Edwards. He's a kickboxer by training. He's British. Up until some injuries and everything like that, Leon Edwards, top contender. Another guy who's probably looking for a rematch with Usman is Jorge Masvidal. Street Jesus, you know, three-piece with your soda, of course, you know, a very, very talented striker. Usman's got an absolute list of challengers at 170. And with how the UFC is today, you see guys either win a championship or like go up and try for that double champ status ever since McGregor did it. But Usman seems pretty content staying at 170. So I'm sure he'll just clean out the division. So where would you rank this card compared to the last couple? It's a little bit lacking. I think I think one thing with the pandemic, especially for the UFC, they've been trying to put out cards really, really consistently. But it's, it's a solid main card. You're going to get your established fighters and then some up-and-coming prospects. I think one of the biggest ones that's coming up is a couple of weeks from now. Israel Adesanya is coming up from 185, which is middleweight, to challenge for the light heavyweight, which is 205-pound title versus Jan Blahovic. And there's two other title fights on that card. I believe Peter Jan is defending the 135-pound strap against Aljamain Sterling. And there is one other title fight on that card. 
the female who many people consider the female greatest of all time, Amanda Nunes, defending her 145 pound strap against Anderson, which in those three fights, I honestly all see all three champions retaining. Uh, just a little herself, bit of Amanda Nunes, <laughs> the lioness. So, Dylan, I have one more question for you. I keep asking you questions. I'm sorry. Then, Peter, I'll let you get your questions in. I want to backtrack a little bit. So, the last time we talked on the show was the McGregor fight. Mm-hmm. He lost. Where does McGregor go from here? I think he's got to step down and a challenger. Um, lightweight probably should look for a fight with Tony Ferguson, Dan Hooker. Nate Diaz has expressed some interest in coming back. Is McGregor done? I don't think he's done. He he's still got fights left, but if he wants another title, he's he's got to start getting some wins because Poirier just outboxed him, plain and simple. It was crazy. Were you surprised by that outcome? I know we talked about it, and we were all consensus where we thought McGregor was going to pull it off. So I will say this with Poirier. He is probably one of the most well-rounded fighters at 155 right now. And just great knockout power. And one thing you got to do when you face McGregor is keep a very level head because that's Connor's big game. That's where he beat Aldo. That's where he beat Alvarez. He gets in people's head. And I think Dustin now, this being their second time they faced off, knew what he had to come in, changed his game plan. And I've said this for years. One of the biggest thing Connor does is he hangs his lead leg out there, his front leg. And so it's hard to get inside his range. And Poirier executed that perfectly with a ton of leg kicks. Connor's leg by the end of that fight looked like a balloon. Like it, Poirier perfectly, perfectly fought that fight. Just add one question. When is Khabib relinquishing his title? Because I don't think he's going to come back. So he, he said he, he's fully retired. That's up to Dana and the brass at the UFC. They keep trying to pull him out. The only thing that's going to interest him, I think, at this point is fighting George St. Pierre at 170. But I, I don't even know if he comes out. I think he's done. They should Dana White can't came- sit on it forever. You know? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like a report came out today from MMAfighting.com, and they said an interview with Habib. He said the lightweight division just needs to continue. He's retired. He feels he's done, and he wants to see Charles Oliveira versus Poirier for the uh, the belt. That's who he feels should be fighting in the next fight. Dylan, thank you for helping us break down this uh, UFC 258 card. Uh, when's the next after 258? What's the... Did, have they announced what's, what's going to happen? Yeah, so they have another uh, fight night card. I believe it's just going to be on ESPN or ESPN Plus if you pay for that. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, no, before that, uh, next, next Saturday, the February 20th is headlined by Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis, who are two guys in the top 10 of heavyweight. So that could have some heavyweight title implications as well. I'm probably going to get up an article on that this week. Nice. Uh, just looking at those two because they're tanks. But thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Dylan. And yeah, one, thank you. Dylan, I'm going to ask you one last thing right before we end here. What's, th- what's going to be the most anticipated fight in 2021? I really think fight of the year might be this card in March. Uh, Jan Blahovich versus Israel Adesanya. Adesanya is one of the only undefeated fighters left, and Jan is no joke. All right, so we'll have you back on in March then. You heard it here. All right, Peter, any uh, closing thoughts? Thank you, Dylan. Just go Macy Barber. Macy Barber for the win. Thank you for listening to Episode 7 of Pombo and Peter's Picks. 
Thank you guys again. And be sure to check us out on all podcast platforms. Be sure to check out dailygoats.com. I'm Jason Pombo alongside Peter Alves. Thank you guys. Stay hot.